Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore. So please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm also on Instagram now. Lots of great pictures. If you tag me, you know you guys might win a prize. I give away books and movie tickets, iTunes downloads, all types of things. So I encourage you to follow or tag me or check me out on Facebook. Well, today I am blessed to have someone all the way across the world in Africa, in Nigeria, a wonderful author and essayist. Uh, she's a journalist, and she has written a wonderful book uh, a while ago, but I came upon it and I thought it was a great conversation piece. I do not come to you by chance. Um, today I'm speaking with Adobe Trisha Noabani. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, you're doing better than most people do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again for um, calling today and, uh, you know, being willing to do the interview. Um, I know we have a time difference and everything, so we had a lot of scheduling to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, your book, as I mentioned before we got on air, has so many great topics to talk about. We could spend a whole hour discussing all the different issues that your book brings up. Um, But one of the first ones I thought really stood out and one of the main ones throughout the book is the idea of family and the importance of family. Can you talk to the audience about, I mean, what you think the difference of family in uh, Nigeria compared to maybe the family in America or Britain or, say, India? What do you think the differences are? Well, I know that in Nigeria, family is usually first. Family comes first. No matter how successful you are, no matter how much of a difference you're making in other parts of the world, you could be the one who invented a cure for cancer or for HIV. But if your impact isn't felt directly by your family members and by your community, it's considered a waste. You could do all you've done around the world and return home and nobody, you know, you'll be headed, held in scorn. You'll be spoken of derisively. So that's how important family is here. People take it very important. So whatever accomplishments people are making or whatever accomplishments, I call it collections, 
here, people tend to make sure that their families are impacted by their wealth, by their success, and that sort of thing. So it's really important here. Yeah, you know, a lot of Africans that I know from no matter where they are, they could be South African, you know, Niger, Mali, uh, Morocco, it is always uh, spoken of their family and sending money back to their family and, you know, calling their family and making sure that their family is well off because, as you mentioned, you know, no matter where they go, if their family is not taken care of and they can become the scorn of their neighbors and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth, I definitely have heard stories. And a lot of them, you know, talk about building a home, no matter where they are, they want to build a home in their, you know, in their town, where they're from, yes. Um, yes. you know, for their family, yes. that, you know, that is something that's important. So that, yeah, I definitely agree with you about that. And here in America, and though, I, I think, think another way, another way differs, or one way differs is, for example, if I get into government office tomorrow, I'll be expected to employ my cousins, my in-laws, my, you know, everybody. Everybody, the cousins, cousins, and nephews and nieces. But in a place like the United States, it might be it might be regarded as corrupt or as corruption if I do that. I don't think it's um, something that is accepted. But here, if you get into a position of power and you go to employ your people, people from your village, people from your family, it's regarded as a bad thing. Nobody, people think, look at her, she went into a position of power and she did nothing for us. So those are the little differences. Yes, definitely. Um, if you're here in America, you know, they call it nepotism, and you can't just go hiring, you know, uh, you know, Johnny, second cousin from your wife who was, you know, married to your third <laughs> sister on mm-hmm. such and such side. You just can't do that. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, it is done. You know, it is still done. We say okay. that it's not done, but it is done. You know, people's sons and daughters run their companies. Um, you know, they bring in other people. But I guess there's more scrutiny and it is kind of looked down upon unless it's the daughter or, or son. You know, if it's daughter or son, that's different. But a cousin or something, eh, it's not going to happen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, let's also talk about, um, we just mentioned before we got on the phone call, which is a big issue. Is it okay to commit a crime and support your family? And support the community. Is that okay? You know, talk to talk to the audience about this issue in Nigeria and how that's looked upon. Um, what has happened over time, especially with the advent of people like the first step, the four one nine scammers, is that the, the definition of crime has been tweaked a little bit. So here, people will probably say, if you ask that question, I'll, I'll you know to somebody on the street, they will say no. But then the difference is what you define as crime. It got to a point people were doing certain things, and, you know, it gets to a point people don't see taking out of um, the national treasury to, uh, you know, to pay medical bills for your mother's auntie's daughter. Mm-hmm. Don't see, it's not really considered crime anymore. So that's where the problem is. So asking me, um, can, is this allowed, is this okay to commit crime to take care of your family? Where, where, I'll say no, but where our opinion, the opinion of the average Nigerian differ is in the definition of crime. People have come to the point where they don't see things like that as crime. From my book, for example, uh, reading my book, for example, you probably have seen the transition in thinking of my characters where they no longer saw fraud as crime. They just saw it as something, you know, just an illegitimate source of income. Yes, yes. Well, you know, where it comes um, really uh, painstakingly obvious is when the character's father is sick, you know, Uh and 
you know, I just was, like, horrified. They had to go to, like, the guy is passed out. They don't know what's wrong with him. And he has to go to three different hospitals. They have to go get a letter from somebody yes. who's a friend of the da 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 I'm like, by now, he would have been dead. You know, in America, I can call the ambulance in, you know, 20 minutes and no more than 30 minutes. Somebody's going to be here. I can get a cab. I can get an Uber, you know, um, to go to a hospital that's close to me. Um, I don't have to ask for some letter or pay some fee. Can you talk about this? You know, is that a true depiction or was that an over-the-top depiction in your book? Oh, oh my goodness. No, 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 no. It's not over-the-top at all. In fact, it's it, it actually worse than what I described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people need to pay for everything. You can't get treated in the hospital. And in fact, some a few weeks ago, I think about three weeks ago, there was a story, a, a story that went viral in Cameroon, or some African country. I think it was Cameroon. A, a woman was brought to the hospital, and uh, she was—I think she died. Of course, they, they couldn't afford to treat her, and she died. Or maybe she was brought to the hospital. Whatever the case, it was noticed that the baby she was pregnant. The baby in her stomach was still kicking even though she was dead. And the doctors and the nurses said, you have to pay before we even do anything. So people who were standing around, people who were in medical personnel, had to take razors to slash through her stomach to rescue the baby that was in a dead woman's stomach. Mm. So that story, uh, um, I read it on the BBC, and of course, Westerners were horrified. And it is indeed a horrifying story, but that's exactly the way to hear. No matter how dead you are on arrival or how much you're dying, you have to pay because the hospitals need the funds and they complain that, like I mentioned in my book as well, they complain that they have too many people. Sometimes the doctors pay from their pockets, the nurses pay from their pockets, and they can't keep doing that. And you have situations where people are in hospital, you have a baby or something, or you've been treated, and you can't pay your bills, and they be changing hospital for months. Several times we get calls from people, oh, my, you know, maybe people who work for you, and they say, oh, my sister's been in hospital, she had a baby, and the, the doctor, she's been in hospital for five months, we can't raise the bill. So that actually happens. So exactly mm. what I described. It works. You have to pay for things like that. So these are the things that make life a little bit more difficult. And then make people begin to question, do I have to be um, upright and then watch my family die? What's the point in being this moral person and having this degree, uh, this certificate that can't make money? So people are forced sometimes to do things that they ordinarily wouldn't do. Going to yes. Well, that's the same thing here in America in terms of, in terms of drug dealing, you know, there are people who are drug dealers, and they support the community. They're also a police to the community, in a sense. You know, similar to in Brazil, in the favelas in Brazil, there are, you know, drug dealing gangs who do a better job of policing the community than the police do because the people fear them, trust them, you know, because they're supporting them with this money from the drugs, you know. So, like you said, you know, people are doing things that they normally wouldn't do, but in order to survive, you know, yeah. this is what they do. But that comes to the question of what, what is education? Why, why do we need an education? Is education important anymore? You know what I mean? What do you think about that question around the world? All the time that's asked, should I go to school? Should I become a vendor? You know, what should I do? You know? That's definitely a question that, um, that that's because I'm, of course, educated, and I see the benefits of education. It's nothing else. It helps you think differently. But where people, who, those of us who are educated in Nigeria, have seen how 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 um, how less people people value education because over time they see that it doesn't necessarily solve their problems in terms of um, income, how much income, how much they earn, and how their lives change. I don't know what it's like. I'm not sure it's the same way exactly in other parts of the world, but in Nigeria, 
you might have first class degree, you might be the best graduation student. It doesn't guarantee that you'll get the right job or you'll get you'll be able to feed your family. You still need to know the right people. Usually, not all the time, but usually most of the time, you need to know the right people. You need to have the right connections. So people are beginning to question the value of education. And so we find more young people saying, I don't even need to think this. I can just get some way to make money. Then I don't need to go to school. And I think there's actually a character in my book who, who comes to that decision. He says, well, here are people making money from uh, uh, advancing for 409. Why do I need to keep, why do I need to go to school when I can just become an apprentice and just start making my money now? So we're at the point where things have been, these things have been so ingrained that we're trying to, some of us are trying to persuade people still go to school. It's important. It helps. Even if you're going to do anything else you're going to do tomorrow, okay, even if you're going to do a job, do you have education first. So unfortunately, that's something that um, I wish would change. I wish people's education would have a direct relation to how much they earn and how their life improves later in the future, but it's not really what's happening now. Yeah, we have similar situations. Not as bad, I think, but in America, the question still remains, you know, should I go to college? Because college here in America is crazy expensive. It's absolutely ridiculous. And people are in debt, you know, forever and ever. You know, it's like buying, you know, 40 houses in order to get a good education. I will say most uh, degrees, mostly the science degrees, you know, IT, they definitely pay off. You get a, you know, bachelor's, you'll get a certain amount. You get your master's, you get your PhD in some kind of uh, computer science or engineering here in America you definitely will have fat pockets. You know what I mean? That's not an issue. Uh, some, some other degrees may not, you know, if you want to be a social worker, you know, you want to be a philosopher, you know, um, something like that, you know, it, 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 may, it, may not, it may not, you know, pay off or something like that. But, um, I mean, I think that, um, I think that uh, it's important to still have critical thinking skills. You know what I mean? If you don't have critical thinking skills, then, um, you know, you can't really change the world in a dramatic way, I think. You know what I mean? In the long run, you know. Um, True. Talk- well, we have a situation in Nigeria so where we have people, the, uh, over time, the least educated people are in the top position. So what they're doing is hiring the people with the brain. So you go to Harvard, do all your education, come back to Nigeria, and your boss is somebody who, you know, somebody who can read and write who has an education. So these are the things people are talking Yes, it's great to have critical thinking, but they need their needs, they, they, they want their needs met now, and their needed problems solved. So it's difficult mm-hmm. when it's so difficult to even go from one day to the next. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the women in your book. You know, you have some different characters. You have, like, prostitutes in there, and then you have some really educated women in there. And some of the goals that women have in the book, you know, some are to be educated, you know, some are to be married. Um, what do you think the role of a Nigerian woman is in relation to men uh, today? How How is it, is it, how do you think it is? Is it still, you know, they're behind the man? Are they next to the man? Or are they uh, moving in front of the man? Um, women, not necessarily all women, but most women just want to complete until they have a mistress in terms of their name. So most people just want to be married. That's the way mm. a, a lot of women are. It doesn't, I, I'm not saying every single woman, no. But the majority of women, and then we have a select as well that tends to look down on, uh, or tends to um, not give as much, accord as much respect to a woman who isn't married, who isn't a missus at a certain age. So we have people in my book like Ola making a decision to 
abandon her. But okay, and then of course, um, we have uh, women who uh, feel that marriage should be should improve their lives as well. A lot yes. of women feel can get married should improve my life. So, and we have and many families see a woman as an investment. We're taking we're sending her to school so she can get a good husband who will eventually take care of all of us. You know that sort of thing. So we have women like all in my book who of course gets married from an educated man, as educated as she is, chooses a non-educated husband who's wealthy over her boyfriend who is a first-class chemistry student, uh, graduate of chemical engineering. Because she knows that the uneducated man is wealthy enough to take care of her siblings. Yeah, so and her family. Um, right, right, right. That, that's mm, interesting. Mm. Now let's talk about the idea of beauty because in the book you bring up this issue of skin bleaching. A couple times it, it, it stood out to me and um, – you know, we have all different shades of African in the diaspora around the globe, but no matter where you go on the globe, there's always this um, price of, you know, being darker can be bad, but being lighter is better, you know. But then, you know, that can be flipped because sometimes if you're light by chemical means, it's negative, you know, because it's fake, you know, it's not the real you. It's better to be you, even um, Kings asked a young lady uh, to take out her weave, you know, because he wanted to see her, you know. He didn't want to see this, this fake person, you know. Um, do you think the bleaching is increasing or decreasing in Nigeria? It's increasing. I mean, these are, we read articles about it every day in the papers, and I think there was some research done by, I'm not sure whether it was the World Bank that talked about the number of women in Nigeria who bleach. A number of women here bleach. But this, I think the, 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 the thing is, um, usually, I know when I read uh, articles about bleaching, the U.S. media, it's in, it's, uh, in terms of people wanting to be like white people. But here, I think it's very different. Many, the majority of people here are dark skinned. So bleaching is a way of people standing out. I have friends who two weeks to a wedding, where they have a huge society wedding to attend. They start bleaching their skin two weeks in advance because they want to just stand out at the wedding. They want to be the yellowest person. <laughs> so when they mm. so the, the, the reason people bleach is what I think um, we have to start discussing because everybody assumes we want to be like white people. Black is, uh, or what you call it, uh, white is better than black. But I don't see it as a motivation for many people I know who bleach. They just want to stand out. And then the 419 scammers want to have very flashy lifestyles. They had flashy cars, cars with odd colors, flashy shoes, and they wanted flashy women. So they started going after this girl who bleached because the women were yellow and, like I said, stand out in a world where everybody is blacker. So these are the uh, people are bleaching in Nigeria, and I think they'll keep bleaching because they have these reasons why they want to bleach. It's not necessarily about wanting to black is bad or wanting to look like another person. I think it's just for many people that stand out factor. They want to look different. They want to hit the, you know, everybody to turn their heads. They want to just grab attention as soon as they get to the room. And many of the lighter skin, at least here, tends to accomplish that more than dark skin, or unless, of course, you are dark as um, Nikita Young or something, in which case, <laughs> you have the color of your skin, wear right. a light skin, a chat. Now, but don't they concerned about the chemical, the, the, the effects of the chemical that are bad for them, for their skin? Well, I want to really say, I mean, I, I, they, they should be, but then I understand the better products are less dangerous. I think if we understand that, if black people understand that, women will bleach anyhow. So why don't we focus, rather than telling people, uh, don't bleach for this, why don't we focus on improving the quality of the product so they're less dangerous on the skin? People will mm. bleach anyhow. People will want bigger boots, bigger bum, and all those things. So let's focus on making the, product, the, the, the process safer. 
and then we can say we can tackle the reasons why people teach. But they will always teach. I mean, I've, I've been in my journal enough. You know, I know people who bleach without the university and they're still bleaching today. But then the more they earn, the better products they buy, and you know, the more expensive the product. And I, I, I understand the less damaging those products are. So let's just focus on getting better products out. I think that's the way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about politics? Can we talk a little bit about politics? Because the main uh, uh, character is working for his, you know, uncle, and the guy is the massive criminal, and he decides he's going to be a politician. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, like how in the world? And all the people in the community are going to support him, and, and he was going to win. He was going to win. I don't well, want to give everything away in the story, you know, but, yeah, you know. America. <laughs> Well, you people have, uh, I, know, I know things that change in the middle of the video, the letters coming up. You have characters that are not the typical presence of kind of, kind of character. But here, it's common. People are not interested. People, people are willing to forgive. They just want who can solve our problems. They're not interested in how many wives you've had, how many girlfriends and concubines, or what you did to make your money. In fact, mm-hmm. a number of politicians have checked out these they, They're like the people in my phone. They were, a number of politicians here were uh, drug dealers in America, convicted. I'm not talking, I'm not spreading rumors. These are people who've been convicted of crimes in America. Some of them were four or nine short It's common. People are not interested in those things more, a lot of the time because they just want people who can solve their problems. People who can gather them and say, here, have these bags of rice for Christmas. Have these, right. um, that sort of thing. So those are the things people are doing. And then, of course, even for decisions they're thinking, who can deliver? Who can solve our problems? Who knows what we need? Yeah. Well, we have we have this craziness going on now with our election here where we have, you know, Donald Trump. I know you heard of Donald Trump yeah. and his craziness. And, you know, he has a lot of supporters. And, you know, you think, where did all yeah. these crazy people come from that are supporting this guy? But you know what? They believe in him because he thinks the same way exactly. they do. Exactly. You know? So that, that, for the first time, Americans are experiencing what a lot of us in African countries have been experiencing. Yeah. someone that... Some of, a, a lot, some of you think it's crazy, but there are a lot of people who think he, he, he can solve our problems. So that's the way it's been in many African countries. Those of us who are educated and who think, you know, who've been taught to think a different way, are looking for people who understand policy and who have this degree and that degree. But there are people who just want practical things. He thinks like us, he understands what we want, and he can solve our problems. So unfortunately, people like us are in the minority, and it's starting to happen in America. So it's amusing for people like me to watch it happen. So you have, an ex- you have a bit of the African experience now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I swear, I pray to God that Trump does not become president, but, you know, he's given a really good the best great, man win, or the best woman. <laughs> the best man, the best woman. Right, you know. Now, do you think the, the world is ready for a, a female president of the United States? How do, you, how do they look upon us uh, in Nigeria? Um, do you think your, your government would, would interact with a woman president? Oh, why not? I mean, I'm talking to people like Angela Merkel and Angela Merkel in Germany. And, uh, you know, yes, if there's anywhere where we're used to America being all sorts of interesting things, so we know that um, it can happen. If there's anywhere where it can happen, it can happen in America. I mean, there are a lot of fans here. I know a lot of people who just love her. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's um, so, something where it's, it's interesting, anyhow, whether it's Trump or whether it's Clinton. It'll be exciting for people like us who come to America. He's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can we see another book coming from you anytime soon, or you're just writing uh, yes. as being a journalist? Yes, you will. But um, at the right time, everybody will know. 
Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, we yeah. kind of ran we ran close to time, but just real quickly, I've been reading some of the articles you're writing in the BBC and some other places, and you're talking about Boko Haram. And uh, for us, it's just horrific over here to think that a hundred some girls were taken from a village just like poof. Like, how could that possibly mm-hmm. happen? Like, where nobody saw anything, nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think some of the issues that I mentioned before are the problems with the infrastructure in these areas. The villages are poor. They, like you said, they just are looking for somebody to give them what they need, but they didn't want their daughters taken away. Well, talk to the mm-hmm. audience a little bit about that. Well, the thing is, um, there have been thousands of girls kidnapped people before the girls, the famous ones from Chicago were kidnapped. So it's been happening, sad as it is. Um, so it's not something new. It's sad, but it's not. And then if you go to that part of the country, you understand why it's easy to happen. It's part of a country that has been, it's a region, it's the most backward region of the country in terms of development. And um, the, the, the land is vast. Like the, the, most of the places are hamlets. Like Chibok, for example, is made up of lots of little villages. So you can understand how that kind of thing happens. When you live in a city like Lagos or Abuja, you can't understand how it happens, how people can go into a school and just pluck girls out. But then mm. you go to the public and see how exposed, you know, how, how bad the region is. It makes sense. It can happen. It shouldn't have happened, but it can happen. And, um, yes, it did happen to so thousands of girls. Fortunately, the Nigerian government has rescued thousands between March last year and now. Thousands of girls have been rescued. They haven't found the famous Chibok girls yet. And I hope they do someday soon. But um, the government has made some efforts, thankfully. And I've spoken with some of the girls who've been rescued already. Like I said, typically, you know, from really backward, backward parts of our, parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us today, and I can't wait for your next book. Please don't keep it under wraps too long. Um, <laughs> I hope you have a great day, and um, again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to discuss your book and the different topics in the book, and I wish you much success. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your show. Okay, thank you so much. You have a good day, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone um, with the author of I Do Not Come to You by Chance, um, Adobe Nwabani. She's a Nigerian artist, uh, essayist, journalist, um, humorist, as she put on her page. So I'm going to be giving away a copy of her book. So you got to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter, uh, become a fan on Facebook, or check me out on Instagram. Um, stay tuned. Next, I'm going to be speaking with uh, two uh, wonderful, um, I guess, activists, if you will, uh, dealing with autism in the African-American community. So stay tuned for that. Hi. This is Morgan Freeman. Has anyone ever said you are the picture of health? You look healthy, you feel fine, but that may not be the full picture. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer of men and women over 50. Since it doesn't always cause symptoms, you may not know you have it. The only way to know is by getting screened. Screening can find precancerous polyps so they can be removed before they turn into cancer. This is one cancer you can prevent. Plus, screening can find colorectal cancer at an early stage when the chance for a full recovery is very high. Talk with your doctor and get tested for colorectal cancer. Medicare and many insurance plans help pay for screening. Get screened. Make sure you are the picture of health.
A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.